Bank to the Future 2.0 with Chris Titley. Hi, it's Chris Titley here as part of the Bank to the Future 2.0 podcast series. I'm joined by Caroline Breeze, CEO of Scolare Partners. Caroline, thanks so much for being part of this series again. Thank you for having me back. Caroline, we interviewed you in July of 2021 at a previous employer. We're now sitting here in early August of 2023. Uh, a couple of years have gone by. Would you like to get the listeners, uh, or give the listeners a bit of a journey of what you've been up to? Sure. It feels like a lifetime ago and weeks ago at the same time. <laughs> um, but last time I was here, I was a country manager at GoCardless. So GoCardless is a UK-based um, scale-up that was expanding globally and I helped bring um, GoCardless to Australia and New Zealand. That was a really fun time for me in payments. And then not long after that, I joined the team out of Byron Bay at Zepto. Um, who are one of the leaders in the real-time payments industry here in Australia, particularly being a connected institution to the MPP Mm. um, as Chief Commercial Officer. So my last eight to ten years have been predominantly in payments in scaling commercial-type roles, so building out sales teams and marketing teams and so on. Um, But all the while in the background, um, I was personally investing, um, getting involved in the startup community, I'd been a part of the Startmate cohort and supported Airtree and some others along the way. And so I've always had this kind of what I felt was a side hustle or a side passion for startup tech. Um, And this year I joined Scolare Partners as CEO, who is an investment um, firm in Australian tech companies. So I feel like my worlds have been merged together. Yeah, they have, from from commercial operations to side hobby to put it all together to where you are now. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. And and I'd love to know a little bit about um, Scolare Partners and, and, and obviously you've joined them moderately recently and, and how you've gone so far. Yeah, they're a fairly young company um, in the investment space. They formed about three and a half years ago. So three partners with deep backgrounds and career experience in operating companies of their own, very successful mergers and acquisitions and listing of companies. Uh, also had a passion for startups and Australian tech and investing and working in that space. So they formed a company, Scolare, together, invested their own money and time and have built what is a very successful young investment firm. So we invest typically in one startup a month. Uh, We have 25 in the cohort at the moment and they are across certain tech verticals that we think there's a lot of growth in we care about and we can add value to mm. so we have some fintech which is close to my heart as you know we have reg tech health tech edutech and some agritech as well as some web3 and others and most of our portfolio is in australia although we do have uh, singapore new zealand holland us and uk in the mix as well awesome um we're typically, we, we play in a really interesting space. So in Australia, you've got kind of the boot camp kind of startup incubators. So thinking like a start mate. And then you've got the larger funds um, like an Airtree, Blackbird and Squarepeg who have grown up and been in the market for a lot longer than we have. And they're your typical venture funds. So they raise capital, 
and they take a fee for managing that capital and they disperse that capital and invest it into startups. And as they've grown over time, those funds become bigger as they have, you know, they become bigger companies and entities in their own right, which means their check sizes also become bigger. So they then play more in your series A, series B, you know, 15 million to 50 million type investments. To move move them, make a material dent in their, their, their performance. Correct, 100%. Um, and that's the outcome that they're striving for and the place that they're comfortable playing in. And what that left is a gap in the market between that kind of startup boot camp kind of area and, you know, the the Series A's of the world where there's a lot of startups looking for seed funding or pre-seed funding even. Um, and they want what we call smart money. They want strategic investors that understand their vertical or where their business is at and want to help them kind of grow. And so we come in, we're usually the first or professional check. I like to coin it as, you know, the first injection after mum and dad and uncle Pete. Uh, (laughs) We come in and we invest in the company at a very young age. So they're usually raising anywhere between, you know, 500,000 and 2 million um, against a valuation of anywhere up to 10 million. They're in one of the verticals we care about. They're already generating revenue. Um, they own their tech. We believe in their tech. They're mm. in one of the verticals we care about. And most importantly, they've got um, ambitions for growth, global growth, um, and they really want our advice and help. And we think we can help them. That That's the key ingredient. When we spoke to you in uh, 2021, we didn't really talk about market conditions. It was more about a chat about go cardless. But at that time, uh, even in 2020, um, we saw obviously a, a lot of people staying at home and a lot of people making investments in, in various things and a lot of money thrown at, at, at particular startups and emerging tech companies as the public markets went up as well. Um, we've obviously changed that position now or the market has changed that position now into probably a much more disciplined or, or focus on capital efficiency as you're investing in that space where there may not be earnings to show and there may not be profit, um, there might be some early traction. How do you, how have you changed your metrics in your head in terms of seeing these companies? Yeah, it's an interesting market. And for me, the change was twofold. So I had come from organizations where we were raising capital for that organization with me in that commercial role. And I'd come off the back of some pretty major raises. The last one I was there for at GoCardless was a $312 million raise <laughs> against a 2.1, sorry, 2.1 billion val. Uh, so very successful raise. Uh, and then I was part of the Series A at Zepto as well, where 25 million was raised um, from Airtree and Decade. And there's a big difference in raising for one tech company with one kind of global ambition mm. versus raising for a portfolio of companies and future investments. But one thing that's been a big shift is, you know, obviously companies like Scalare are look, not looking at kind of growth at all costs. They're looking at um, what a path to profitability and true revenue can look like. But over the last couple of years, what I've seen is a real shift in the way founders think as well. So now when founders come in and pitch their idea, they're not just pitching what they've built and what they're solving and why they're doing it, what makes them passionate about it. They're also pitching and understanding their net burn, how much investment they need at a minimum, um, how what that investment will bring to their company and how they plan to spend it and how that will return into revenue. 
uh, and also kind of understanding and being really realistic about their valuations mm. and the multipliers that they're putting in place. And so these are, I feel like the tides have turned a couple of years ago, we'd almost be kind of coercing or coaching them and trying to understand more about those numbers. And they'd be something that we'd really be kind of grappling with towards the end of a negotiation. Whereas now it's up you know, it's at the forefront. It's one of the first things we talk about um, when a startup comes to us and pitches. And so the environment has changed. I feel like it's a lot healthier as an investment environment. Yep. And there are some fast, fantastic deals out there to be had. I was talking to someone the other night. Uh, so it must be tough. Like, is there as much out there as there was? And I said, founders don't stop innovating and having ideas because there's a challenging macro market. Like mm, the right founders true. don't go, oh, you know, what? I've got this fantastic idea, but I'm just going to park it and not follow my passion because it's a difficult macro market. They're still out there doing their thing. Um, so there's just as many opportunities out there solving real world problems. It's just that the founders are in, are in a better position to articulate the monetary value of their organization, the runway that they've got, the path to profitability and how they're going to actually sustain and get to the growth that they need. Uh, and so for businesses like Scolari, this is like the perfect storm. Mm. You mentioned that word runway just then. Previously, you would see a company raise some money and then six months later they come back to the market, nine months or whatever it might be, the turnaround. And there was a period there, um, you know, got a little bit of grey hair, a period there where those, those, those rounds shrunk. So it's sort of like raise, deploy, raise, deploy. You know, those yeah. days seem like they're gone. Are you finding the raise or the first raise that you're part of now lasts for longer and there's sort of no material intention to raise in six months? It might be a year and the time frame has been extended out. Yeah, it depends on the organisation and how capital consumptive it is. Yep. Um, you know, and fintech as an example is a little on the nose at the moment because just due to the nature of fintech, it can be quite capital consumptive. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. Um, you do find that those windows are a little shorter. Yep. In this, in the pre-seed and seed space that we play in, you also find that they're shorter than the Series A, Series B runways purely because they're still proving things out. They're taking capital for growth um, and proving out their go-to-market and kind of you know building and executing on a pipeline. So we see anywhere between kind of nine to eighteen months being pretty healthy in that yep. space. But in saying that, we have some in the portfolio that have a twenty-two plus month run rate. Mm. Um, or a clear path to profitability within that time. And that is extremely healthy and something we wouldn't have seen probably mm. three years ago. Yep. And, and as an investor, founders always ask for like, yes, a check is great, but what else can you provide? Can you talk about the other services that Scalare try and do as an investor in these organisations? Yeah, yeah, of course. So it is a roll your sleeves up. So because we're not a, a typical venture fund, we don't, um, you know, separate that money and charge a management fee for it. When we invest in a company and people who invest in Scalare, that money goes into the same bucket as our money. And when we invest, we're investing off our own balance sheet. So we're not making management fees. Mm. Our, our upside comes out of the success of that organisation just the same as it does as our investors, which I think is a kind of key difference between us and, and a lot of what is yep. in the market. So we are just as invested in their success as the founder and as the investor in Scalare. Uh, and so we put them through a, a founder program in the first 12 months, which gives them a lot of support, masterclasses, the founder network itself. We place a NED on the board. It, that may be someone internally at Scalare or someone externally, whoever is the right person and the expert for their industry or stage of growth that, that they're in. 
Um, and then we do uh, a lot of sprints and kind of diagnostic sessions with them around different aspects of their business to make sure that they're setting up the right foundations for growth. Mm. So it could be how they're monetizing their product. It could be their tech stack. It could be how their finance and, and that operational backbone runs. And we'll make recommendations and get in and, and help them um, deliver on those and build those out along with the strategy or the strategy to raise. So in the background at Stellare, we've built out, you know, a virtual CFO model, virtual sales teams, building out people and culture and different operational aspects of a business. Because what we found is that when startups are that size and growing at the pace that they are um, and needing to remain agile and do so on a very tight budget, they may not have the budget to be able to go out and employ a full-time headcount to do a particular role or for a project-based kind of sprint. So what we do is allow them ad hoc access to our teams so that they can actually have, you know, everything from their books and, and invoicing done every month and payroll right through to having a CFO sit in their office for two days a week if that's what they need. Yep. So we've got all these different packages and level of support for the portfolio. One final question, Caroline, in regards to the fund. Uh, in the you know, Carol, uh, Robin Denholm recently at the Tech Council Summit said there's a big funding gap at the early stage level. There's a there's a disparity between what was available a couple of years ago with with market participants that came in and and new funds, etc., to to where there is now. I mean, are you excited about the future of the ecosystem here in Australia? And and if so, why? Yeah, I think it, it's really exciting. For Scalare, and I find it really exciting because we don't have, you know, ambitions to pivot into a Series A, Series B fund in the future. We know that there's a really high need for funding and smart money and support at this level, and there's so much fantastic technology coming out. I mean, although that there is kind of funding drying up, and I think to your point, there is there's a few components. There's the macro market, which is driven you know, a couple of different changes in our market. One being that you don't see as many venture firms as part of large corporates anymore. We've seen some yeah, we've seen, pull happened. out of the exactly. market. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So those kind of incubators that also serve this space are not there. Um, however, there is still money out there and people do care about this end of the market. So it's a huge opportunity. We um we recently acquired the Australian Technologies Competition. It's a 13-year-old competition, um, predominantly kind of government government funded and supported, and um, we, we're running it for the first time this year. And participants apply in um, May, and the comp goes right through to September. And as part of their program, they get access to experts, um, a mentor, dedicated mentor, masterclasses to help them grow and scale their business, and then they can get kind of reassessed in September and there's awards and whatnot. But we, we see hundreds of applications come through across the 14 different awards um, straight out of the Australian tech industry. Awesome. Everything from NVPs right through to, you know, companies that are on their way to being listed. There's a huge appetite for funding and support. And so our vision is if we can match those two things together and continue to support that seed and pre-seed stage, there's loads of opportunity. And um, we know that, you know, even the government's starting to recognise that. There was a paper released this week around a commercialisation grant for organisations like Scolare who are doing that work and supporting and helping grow that early tech community. So um, I feel like it, it's coming back and I feel like the reset around valuations and understanding what's needed in those early stages of funding and, and to grow has been what the industry needed. Brilliant, Carolyn. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for telling uh, telling your journey over the last 
couple of years into to this new and exciting role at Scalara and congratulations what the team has invested in already and it does sound like there's a big pipeline of opportunity it does sound like a big funding gap and also the support services that the fund uh, provides we wish you all the best and look forward to catching up thank you thanks for having me again This podcast is for general information purposes only and does not take into account anyone's personal circumstances.